Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Professor Amanda Krauss, Head of Genetics at the Donald Gordon Medical Center. Um, and uh, Professor Krauss is passionate about using her skills to improve the provision of genetic services in South Africa, as well as to pass on knowledge to young trainees in the field of medical genetics. Amanda, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Amanda, we've actually just uh, been talking about genetics. We've been talking about damage to the cells. And our guest before you, um, Jane McKenzie, was was talking about, um, you know, this being able to kind of redesign a genetic blueprint. Now, you're, you're a professor in the field of genetics. We're going to be talking about uh, breast cancer just now because it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and the, the part that genetics plays in illness. But what are your thoughts on that, um, our ability to change what's in our genes and uh, kind of redesign, if that's the word one can use, and have optimal health moving forward? It's certainly not an easy question to answer. I was hoping you weren't going to ask me. <laughs> Sorry. I have been listening. Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think the answer is that there are ways of re sort of patterning our gene expression in certain cases. And certainly, you know, we know that healthy lifestyles can well sort of pattern our genes in particular ways and unhealthy lifestyles can pattern our genes in certain ways. And, and certainly, you know, diet and things like that can alter some things. I want to be very clear from sort of the perspective that I guess you would be talking about breast cancer, that, that that is sort of patterning how some of our genes are expressed. It's not changing the actual genetic fault that might cause disease. And particularly in the context of things like inherited breast cancer, which I guess we'll go on to speak about, um, we may be, you know, no denying that healthy lifestyle is important in, in reducing risk of disease, but there may be certain scenarios where your inherited risk is extremely high. And, um, you know, while there may be some people who get disease earlier than others and some people who are lucky enough to escape it in high-risk families, and I'm talking about a very select group, um, I'm somewhat hesitant to to sort of say that you could repattern those genetic or you as far as we know you cannot repattern those genetic faults which are passed from one generation to the next um reliably enough or enough to prevent sort of inherited risk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so let's talk about this i've i've i found um you know with past um, interviews, um, very often the question is asked when it comes to cancer is, is there a history of cancer in the family? And um, I've had so many doctors who've come on and say, you know, that question, and, and also, you know, insurance companies who say that question isn't wholly reliable anymore because people where there is no history of cancer in the family whatsoever are getting all sorts of cancers and also at varying ages. Uh, Amanda, so where normally people would get a particular type of cancer, like we'll see with breast cancer later on in life, all of a sudden we're finding the females who are getting it at a much younger age. So, what, what are you? What What are your thoughts on on that? Yeah. 
So I think that there is a lot we don't understand um, yeah. about, you know, um, family. So, so there is a lot we do understand about family history and there is a lot we don't understand. So as you've commented, we certainly see, see very young people getting cancers that we wouldn't have expected them to get where there's no family history and where, you know, even fairly complex and extensive genetic testing at this point in time doesn't give any clear answer or doesn't identify a genetic cause that we can pinpoint and say that is the cause and, you know, that's why you've got it. So on the one hand, we have that scenario. On the other hand, we do have a scenario where um, there is a clear family history of a particular type or a particular group of cancers where we identify a very clear pattern and where our genetic knowledge is fair or even pretty good, you know, yeah. and where we would know, we believe that this is um, a genetic, genetic in its predisposition. So um, it doesn't guarantee that if you have the same genetic fault as your family members that you will absolutely get cancer, but it certainly moves you into a risk category where the way we would sort of um, – screen you and monitor you is very much higher than the general population. And, you know, there are some very clear genetic faults that if we identify them, we would believe that you would need to take sort of, I guess, I guess more, more preventive action than the average in trying to prevent your cancer. So, you know, we, we would recommend things like healthy lifestyle, um, but, but we would also recommend more intensive screening so maybe doing things like your mammograms more often or intervening MRIs where appropriate or you know screening of other organs more intensively so so when we identify particular familial genetic faults there are there are relatively clear protocols which we would put in place to to sort of with the aim of obviously identifying any cancer that develops as early as possible. So, you know, you're absolutely right that even in high-risk families, we're seeing um, or we're observing things that we don't fully understand and which almost certainly have to do with sort of environmental influences. So things like, you know, a grandmother who perhaps got cancer in their 60s or 70s, a daughter who got it in her 50s and now a granddaughter who's sort of getting it in their 40s. So we are seeing in some families this sort of inf- or this sort of getting earlier from one generation to the next. We do not understand the reason for that. But environmental agents may well be part of it. But I'm not sure that we are, we know enough to say that if you, you know, that we don't know what those agents are. And so um, I don't think that we're in a position to say that if you removed all the environmental, you're you're back with us. So you kind of faded. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take over from here for a second in case you just got to get the sound right. But um, I was thinking about also this bracket gene. We've spoken about it also on the show where you can see whether you carry the gene, and then of course you have the preventative measures that can be taken. So you've had some people who've had their breasts removed. Some people who have had um, hysterectomies, um, and of course we know the whole Angelina Jolie who made us so aware 
globally and um, uh, and be becoming aware of our genes. And I suppose that doing, or maybe I shouldn't say suppose, and should rather ask you the question, um, Amanda, that when you are looking at a, a genetic predisposition to an illness and certainly to a cancer, and you're saying to someone, you know, we're looking at, um, you come from a high-risk family, we've got to look at screening and monitoring, that there is an emotional aspect, that if we had to look at stressors, that that would be a huge stress in anyone's life knowing um, that the risks are higher. Um, and, and, and the kind of the kind of impact that that kind of stress, emotional stress, it can have on an individual. So, absolutely. And, you know, again, I think it's something we, we acknowledge um, 100% really that certainly, and, and pe- again, people will deal with it differently. So, there will be people who want to know, who choose to be tested, who choose to go with the most um, sort of the most I don't want to use the word extreme, but but with the most aggressive um, interventions to try and reduce their risks, including the surgical you know options of, of mastectomies and ovarectomies. Other people, just because people are different, would be much more philosophical and would be comfortable with screening. And there there certainly are people who would feel you know they don't need to go do anything, and they would they almost you know, are a bit philosophical and don't want to deal with the stress until they have to. So in terms of dealing with things, again, people deal with things differently. That is certainly not my intention to tell someone how to deal with it. But at the same time, when you do have a genetic risk, um, there, you know, I certainly believe that information is important in terms of what would be the guided strong recommendations as to how you will deal with it. So I completely agree and you know, when when I speak to people who are gene carriers, there there are there are many emotional um, stresses attached to being a carrier. You know, knowing that you've got it, knowing whether other family members have got it, um, even the issue, which is well described, of so-called survivor guilt. You've got the the genetic fault. Your sibling was lucky enough not to have inherited it. But you now feel guilty because, you, you know, so absolutely there are emotional impacts having seen other family members in your family with cancer, you know, go through difficult times with cancer. The emotional issues are enormous. Um, yeah. And I honestly can't answer you as to whether those make your disease worse or earlier onset or not. Um I think it's a very difficult question to answer, but yeah. it would be that when you have family risks, you should take cognizance of them at some point. And take the necessary, take the necessary steps. Amanda, thank you so much. Fascinating. We can carry on talking about this the whole day. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I hope also that we'll be chatting again in the future. Do take care. Thank you so much.